for your word. I thank you for your people. I thank you that we still have time here in your earth to know you, to be known by you, and to communicate your heart and your love for people. Father, I pray, God, that love for you would consume us. It would consume us, God. That it would be the passion of our lives. It would be the thing that matters. And I thank you for the scriptures you have chosen to reveal yourself to us primarily through the scriptures. I also thank you for the encouragement of the priest's word. I thank you for the testimonies of the saints. I thank you for the spiritual songs that we get to sing to one another as your word instructs us, God. May they be offered up as a fragrance, a sweet-smelling fragrance before your throne. And that you may be glorified with us, your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, one more thing. Father, <laughs> I ask that you would cleanse my heart and protect my words, my intentions from pretension, Father from boasting in self, from performance. Again, that you, you only may be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Everybody doing all right? Amen. Glad to hear that. I'm, I'm in faith. I'm sure everybody said uh, they're doing good. <laughs> we are finishing up 13 weeks today in the book of Galatians. Yes, yes. And that is... I think that does deserve some rejoicing, not because we're ready for it to be over, um, but because, I hope not, but because of the impact that it's had on our lives. Like, is anybody, can, can you like identify change, like visceral change in your life, in your heart, things that you're starting to see a little differently through God's word? Amen. I hope like that's, that's the whole point of this, right? Whether you are here in the room, whether you're watching online, what up, our online audience, um, we aren't just doing this to pass the time. Like, it's not just an intellectual exercise where we can, like, you know, say some good things. Or even as a preacher, it's not, I'm not up here to try to make myself look smart to impress you. Now, I will say, that is a temptation. <laughs> that's always a temptation. Because that's just the way we are. As humans, right? So I have to protect myself against that. And I have to continually repent and ask the Lord to search me. Help me, God. Help me. And, and I pray that as we get through, um, as we've gone through this series, and as we close today, that it is in many ways uh, just the beginning. Just the beginning. For us to see our lives through the lens of the, the gospel of grace. And to see all of our lives through this lens of what God has done through Jesus. What God and God only has done through Jesus and Jesus only. Not through flesh, not through my abilities, not through my talent, not through my, my looks, not through my swag. Through him and him alone. That's it. That's it. Now, it's easier said than done. And I'm going to do my best to kind of 
communicate what the Lord has put on my heart for today in this setting. I will tell you right now, I am not going to unpack every verse here like I would love to do for you. But I am going to do it. I'm just not going to do it today. I'm going to do it on Wednesday. So you got to come back on Wednesday night. Amen. 7 p.m. And for whatever reason, you can't make it on Wednesday night. We do have a a podcast as well uh, for our Bible studies, not just Sundays, but where we kind of go into uh, more detail and kind of dig in the weeds of what the divine author, the Holy Spirit, is communicating uh, through the scriptures. So we want to be faithful in that way in doing that. But, but today, this morning, we are going to finish this book, but there's some very specific things I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize, and I want to be in, you know, in lock and in step with him. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. So one of the things I think that we've learned by going through this this book here is that there are really only two religions. There are only two. I know you can Google it and a bunch will come up. And many times we even mistakenly define the denominations under the umbrella of Christianity as a religion in and of itself. (laughs) Oftentimes we make it that. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, don't want to step on your toes there. But there are really only two religions. There's always only been two religions. And one is salvation by works. And when when I use the word works, I'm just borrowing that language from Paul, but it has to do with what I can do. Language by works, language by, I'm sorry, salvation by works, salvation by self effort. What I can accomplish, right? That's one religion. The other one is salvation by grace, accomplished only through Christ, accomplished alone through Christ, by grace alone. Those are the only two religions that we have. That's it. The only two that the world has has, has ever really known. One is divine accomplishment. The other is human achievement. Divine accomplishment and human achievement. So so Paul, throughout this letter here, has been wanting to establish the proper foundation so they can have the right religion. Sometimes we use the word religion kind of as a, a broader topic. We learned last fall in our series through the book of James that there is a true religion. There is a pure and an undefiled religion, right? So let's be careful when we use uh, that word and, and be careful about like our intent behind what we're trying to really say. But the, the religion that God has, has prepared for us or is interested in is the one that is only defined by divine accomplishment, only defined by what he has done. But in many ways, that's always kind of been under question. Under question, not by him, but by his creation. We see even in pre-eternity, before the formation of the heavens uh, and the earth as we know it, uh, we see even Lucifer wanting to rise up against God. And, and wanting to, to acknowledge his own beauty, his own glory, like his own, you know, need really to be worshipped. <laughs> he felt like, like, look at me, like I'm, I'm kind of all that. I deserve to be worshipped. Look at me. And if, if we're not careful, we can 
easily kind of morph into that same mentality. Look at me. Look what I've done. And when we get really, really good at it, we can, we can flower a little, you know, religion on it <laughs> and say, you know, well, take out be the glory. Look what I've done. <laughs> Look what God helped me do. But the focus and the real hole, the vacancy that we're trying to fill is, is me. It's attention for me. It's acknowledgement for me. It's acceptance for me. Look at me. This has been around, y'all, from the very, very beginning. It's, it's the enemy's, the deceiver's tactic to still use it today to, to lure us away from what God has said, lure us away from what God has done, and to put our focus and attention on our own self-effort. And what this does, what the gospel does, it really annihilates that. And it's, it's not always very comfortable. Matter of fact, most of the time it's, it's, it's not comfortable because most of us still have things in us that like to hear how good we're doing. I, like, I want to hear when I get done preaching, Sonny, you did a good job. <laughs> I want to hear that. Uh -oh. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to hear it now. <laughs> Let me... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> like, I want to hear that. And, 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 and I know how to put a good front on, a face on, when I don't hear it. But that doesn't mean that the longing isn't still there. Like, so there's some very honest things that Galatians confronts us with that I don't want to end this series without acknowledging. And in order to do that, I've got to be naked and unashamed before you. Is that okay? I don't want to, like, don't trip, right? <laughs> hey, we're supposed to order an extension to the stage, man. What happened to that? <laughs> Blame somebody. <laughs> naked and unashamed. To reject performance is hard it's hard because especially like when you're talented <laughs> especially when you have a certain amount of like skill or gifting or experience experience is a dangerous one because we don't come with a lot of experience you know in this world but over years over time you know we gain a little we start feeling a little good about ourselves like ah oh, you know I learned a couple of things over the years I could do that sure God I got you I'm your boy Learned a lot over the years. And maybe it's even more difficult the older we get to come to him with open hands and open hearts with an acknowledgement of our desperate need for him and our willingness to do, go wherever he sends us. To say whatever he tells us to say. Like that, that only comes from one place. That can only come from what Paul defines or Paul calls keeping in step with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Being full of the Spirit. I love how, like, there's this emphasis on, like, Holy Spirit. Like, sometimes we, that, that can sound a little weird to some in the room. What do you mean? We, might, we may even say Holy Ghost sometimes. Ghost? What? What is that? 
He's God. He's God. And he's our friend. He wants to walk with you, show you the way, reveal the heart of your father. And through the lens of what Christ has done, this is what he does. He helps us see who Christ is so that we can know him, but also that we can, it can be revealed in how we live. I want it to be revealed. It can't just stay here. So so this is the manuscript, the blueprint, the design, so to speak, that he has developed in his sovereignty and wisdom for us to, to live by. And immediately what the enemy does, he wants to sprinkle a little of our own self-effort and self-worth in it. This is what he does. So to, today, I want to focus on, for the, the, the bulk of this message, the sufficiency of the gospel. The sufficiency of the gospel. I can, I can preach the word I can prophesy, I can speak in tongues, and I can do all of those things and still struggle with the sufficiency of the gospel. I can sing good. I can can get up every morning and have my time with God and and have a, a cold heart. Or maybe if not cold, maybe it's lukewarm. Maybe there's a part of us that we have, have labeled as off limits, God. This is for me, for me only. And, I, and what, what sufficiency in the gospel does, it, it helps to expose those things. And it helps us to see who God is and what he has done as enough. As enough. Do you believe that? I'm talking to my believers. I'm talking to those who, 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 who confessed, who confessed to have placed faith in Jesus. Do you believe that what God has done for you through Jesus is enough already? Amen. Talk back to me. Amen. Amen. Now, believing it is the first step. <laughs> you, will be, you will be challenged in that. Young people, we want y'all on the front so I can look at you. (laughs) I want to see your eyes. I want to connect with you because you aren't like junior Christians. (laughs) There's no junior Holy Ghost, right? God is in you, and you're leading right now. You're leading in multiple ways, not just one way, multiple ways. You're leading in more ways than you, you even realize. Not just in the natural, in the spirit too, in the spirit too. But in the natural, do you know that when major Fortune 500 companies make financial decisions, they're watching where you're spending your money? You spending your money via your influence to your mom and dad. Because I know most of y'all are broke. <laughs> and you know you're broke. And you ain't never let that stop you, stop you at all. <laughs> you know how to get what you want. You're very, very good at it, right? And we, we were all there. <laughs> we know so well. Something happens when you get a little older, though. <laughs> Something happens when it's your money, not someone else's, right? 
But they're watching you. They know the influence that you carry. They know that kids around the world are watching youth in Detroit and in urban areas in this country to see what they're listening to, how they dress, how they move. You have a lot of influence. All right. So when we understand the sufficiency of the gospel, it, it, it helps us be grounded and centered in God's ultimate plan for us and what he wants to do through us. And I need that because as a pastor, it's very easy for me to get off-centered from that, even as a pastor. I want to, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but since we're here, just a, a brief warning. With all the good that God is leading us to do with the coats and the gift boxes and all the things, like we, we do those things and we will continue to do those things, amen? But, but our approval rating doesn't go up to God when we do those things. <laughs> those things don't make us, don't qualify us as a good church now. We'll do those things, and, and we're going to see in a minute here very explicitly, Paul encourages us to, to do those things, not just for those who are outside of the church, but those within the church. But all of this must be seen through the right gospel. And the right gospel is Christ alone is enough. He is it. He is it. Now, this sounds face value. It sounds very elementary. But when you take a couple steps after you leave this, this place today, when you t take a couple days and you, you, you wake up and you're faced with some challenges where you want to do some things on your own, then it becomes real. Or when you have a day that seems random out of nowhere, you're not really in tune to the spiritual warfare that is coming at you. And what you may feel in that moment is the only thing sufficient for me right now is this bed. <laughs> you ever had a day like that? You didn't want to, you want to do anything. I had one of those days this week. I didn't want to do nothing. Excuse my broken English. Or not. <laughs> I ain't want to see nobody. I don't want to talk to anyone. And I can't put my finger on it other than spiritual activity. Spiritual activity. And in that moment is when I have to make a decision. Like, what is, what is the, what, are, what am I feeling? What is the source of this feeling? And how do I deal with it? And my, I've trained myself, especially in my younger years, tr trained myself to meet that void a certain way outside of Christ. And doing that is the very epitome of me not believing that Christ is sufficient. My bed is sufficient because I like my covers, <laughs> especially when it's cold. I like my you know, I could block the, all the light out of my room, nice drapes. Oh, it could get real cozy. <laughs> I could, I could, let me, I don't want to, I don't want to throw you too far off, but I can tell you how comfortable my life is. I got all kinds of apps on this iPad here. I can watch any game I want to watch at any time. I can stream shows. 
I can just fall into the the, the throngs of, of comfort and convenience without even considering my Christ. And I do it well. I do it. I'm good at it. I can put my phone on do not disturb because I'm Sabbathing. <laughs> like I got exposed. I got to like call the enemy out. The enemy, enemy. <laughs> These ways that I'm so good at. I'm so good at it. So I, when I get into the scriptures, it, either I'm going to make a decision that I'm going to embrace the religion that God has set for me. Sufficiency in Christ alone, salvation by Christ alone, or I'm going to read the scriptures and check the box. Like I did what I was supposed to do. Christians, this is what Christians do. I did it. I studied for the message. I preached it. I checked the box. God, all right, what's next? But it's never really penetrating my heart. That's the religion of self-effort. That's the religion of works. Like this. That's tragic. That is fatal success. You may not be a preacher or a pastor. Your situation, your circumstances may be different from mine, but we live our lives with these constant temptations that are floating around in our minds and our heads. This is why, one of the reasons why I believe Scripture tells us, yo, cast down vain imaginations. Cast down these thoughts. But anything that wants to stand up, to the lordship of Jesus. Got to cast it down. We got tools, right? The issue is do we want to use the weapons that God has given us? Or do we want to remain comfort in our fleshly state? And most of the time, most of the time, we're okay with our flesh. Most of the time. I'm, I'm not reading the scripture, but I'm in it. <laughs> I'm about to read it. <laughs> I'm about to read it. We're quite comfortable with our flesh. You know, your flesh hates God. It's, it's actually kind of crazy to think about. Your flesh hates God. What? No, my, uh-uh. No, your flesh hates God. There's nothing good in your flesh. <laughs> nothing. And your flesh, if trained right, can come to church and sit there and look good, look spiritual. You might even bring a Bible and open it. <laughs> you might even nod your head a little bit. <laughs> your flesh is okay with doing those things. But when it really, really matters, your flesh will boss up on you real quick. Really, really quick. And he can't, like, you can't coexist. They can't coexist with your spirit. Like the religion of self-works is all about flesh, flesh, flesh. What the flesh wants. When the flesh wants it. How the flesh wants it. The only way to deal with him is to starve him or her. You got to starve him. You got to kill it by starvation. When the scriptures use the word mortify, it means to kill by starvation. One of the reasons why we like to fast, because it helps us do that. So there's this, this constant battle. This constant battle. I deal with this every day. One of the brothers in the men's meeting yesterday, I love him so much. I won't call him out. I don't want to embarrass him or his people. <laughs> but he said, um, he said, man, Sonny, you like... I hear you in my head in the morning when I'm talking to my wife and kids. Like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. I'm like, man, you, you got it together. You, look, you got it all together. I'm like, what? I'm doing this wrong. 
Like, I'm not letting you see my, my nakedness, bro. No, I struggle with this. I struggle every day with this. I need you. I need you. I receive encouragement from you by you being here, by us sharing together around the scriptures, by us acknowledging our weakness in of ourselves, but our strength in God. I, I grow from that. Like I need you. And this is part of the, the beautiful tapestry of the church, the local church in particular. And it's impossible to achieve that when you're only partaking online. It's impossible to achieve that when you come on Sunday. And that's it. Or when you come, some of of y'all come late on purpose. I ain't talking about like, you know, you may have some things going on on any given morning. I'm saying, no, you're like, you make up in your mind. I'm going to go late because, you know, Sunday going to get up about 1030 or so. (laughs) God, help us. God has chosen us not just for eternal salvation, right? But he's placed you in the body to please him, to please him. Do you know not only the place, but the time? Has significance when God decided to release your spirit into the earth? What? Like, listen, like this great intentionality in where God has you. That's why we don't just, we don't just like go anywhere, you know, wherever, you know, who's, whoever's offering me the best job or the most money, or even with my college education, high school students or, or, or parents even. Like, these are all things that we must come together and seek the Lord. God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? Because the gospel is implicated in these kinds of decisions. If Christ is sufficient, if he's sufficient. Last week we talked about the centrality of the gospel. And Paul, as he winds down this letter, he he wants them to see that part of what it means to keep in step with with the spirit is to understand that you're in community. You're in community with one another. So he says, like, if anybody is, is taken, overtaken in a, in a fault or a transgression, he says, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself unless you too are tempted. I can't go back and review. I'm not going to go back and review the whole message from last week. Don't get me wrong. But, but, but I just want to, like, this is, this is how Paul is kind of ending this letter, helping us understand, like, you've been placed in a body. So you who are spiritual... Like, you're called, we're called to serve one another. But if everybody's struggling in the flesh, where are the people who are spiritual to help restore? <laughs> Where's the last time you restored somebody? You helped restore somebody. Where's the last time somebody helped restore you? I'm blessed to say I've been on both sides of that. I've been on both sides of that. But I've also had occasion on both sides to do it or to receive it and did not. And did not. And according to what Paul is saying here, the reason that I can surmise is that I wasn't being spiritual. I was not in step with the Spirit. Because as much as I hate to say it, Christ was not enough for me. It's not enough for me. Are we okay with the toleration of, let's just call it sin, in our midst, under the premise of love? Under the guise of love? Are we okay with 
tolerating sin? See, part of being spiritual, part of restoring, Paul says keep watching yourself. So it's living set apart, living holy, right? But it's also calling out sin in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit that represents the heart of Christ, right? Not out of pride, not because I'm like glad to see somebody else. I ain't the only, you know, I ain't the only one that struggles. Somebody else has got the same struggle. So no, no, no. It's a gentleness. What if we all as a people were more gentle? I got so many examples I won't mention now because they may bring some embarrassment and I want to be careful. <laughs> but this is just the heart of Christ. Gentleness, meekness, strength under pressure. This word there for meek, gentle also means to one who is, who is teachable. One who is open to, to learning. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus learned through things that he suffered. <laughs> what lessons have, have your suffering taught you? <sighs> so this, this idea of being centered around the gospel, there are three things we threw out last week. The gospel centered is helps, helps those who are, who are struggling, caught up in the sin up. Uh, secondly, uh, it holds them up. Paul says, bear one another's burdens and you fulfill the law of Christ. And then the third one, uh, verse 3, he says, For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. If anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Um, so the, the, the obvious question screaming at us here, um, do you think that you're something? Do you think that you are something? Do you think that you are special? If, 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 if you do, I'm not here to beat you up, right? Because in many, many ways, all of us do. All of us are guilty of this. But what is the source of that? And then if we have confidence in anything, like can we identify the source of our confidence if we think that we're something? Can you identify like where the, the, the burden or the load of your trust is really in if you don't think you're nothing? Where's that trust coming from? Or if you think that you are something, where is that trust coming from, young people? Where is it coming from, husbands? If you aren't totally open to God helping you be the husband God has called you to be, not because you've learned a couple things, you went through some workshops, or you're just really good at this. Like, I had to get to a point where in my marriage, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your grace that is sufficient in my nothingness. And whatever, like whatever area of your life that you want to apply this to, this is key to us understanding the sufficiency of the gospel. He says, if anyone thinks that there's something when they're nothing, get this, they deceive themselves. They deceive themselves. Like this, this is the starting point and the ending point. <laughs> like understanding that we're nothing, like our, the source of who we are and what we do comes from that understanding. That our source is Christ and it's Christ alone. So if you wrestle with that, then you have to ask yourself, is, do I really believe that Christ is enough for me? 
Do I really believe that? We're going to unpack this a little bit more on Wednesday. Verse 4, Paul says, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Paul uses this word, burden a load again. This, when he says to bear, bear your own load, this load is like a backpack. It's a light load, right? But in verse 2, when he says to bear, your, bear one another's burden, that's a heavy load, right? This is not just something one person can bear by themselves, right? But there, there, there is a sense of responsibility to carry the light load, some things God has asked us to do, right? Those are the things that we, we should be responsible doing, and those things help us or um, they demonstrate our spirituality, right? Those who are spiritual restore such a one. Then verse 6, he says, let the one who has taught the word share in all good things with the one who teaches. Mm, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Reap. Like, this is a big deal. I don't want to just bypass verse 6. I'm going to unpack that again a lot on, on Wednesday because there's some, there's some real um, important truth in that. Um, this is not, Paul is not just talking about financial things. I'll just say this. When he uses the word good things, it's not the word that's most commonly used for material things. Paul is talking about a, a spiritual and a moral excellence that comes by way of the Spirit. Matter of fact, as we look at this chapter, we see Paul continuing in the same vein that he ended with in chapter 5 of the fruit of the Spirit and what it produces in our lives, right? So part of this, this goodness has to do with that. It's evidence of the Spirit in our lives. And Paul is saying that, yo, like as a community, the one who teaches and the one who is taught, we share in this goodness. We share in it. So it doesn't just mean like, a lot of times this verse is interpreted as if you hear a good message or if someone is faithful in preaching to you, make sure you give them a nice offering. Now, in other places, Paul does talk about some of that, right? Um, however, the, the intent here, what he's after here, is, is much broader than, than that. And we see that in the, in the larger context. But if we are sowing, thinking that we won't reap what we've sowed, then we make God out to be a liar. That's the way John puts it. God is mocked. This idea of God being mocked has to do with us turning up our nose and looking down on him. God forbid. It's as the idea of this sneering arrogance. How dare we? How dare we think that we can continue to sow into the, the, the account of carnality and think we can reap something spiritual? Or, or expect God to do something with all the carnal deposits we've made? God forbid. Some of us are so good at it, we got, man, we got direct deposits into our carnality <laughs> without even thinking about it. It's just automatic. <laughs> and we've, we've done it so long, our ability to resistance ha, resist it has been torn down. Paul says in verse 8, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Mm. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Ah. Come back Wednesday. We'll dig into it a little more. Verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. Hear the good he's talking about here. Again, this is, this is a product of the fruit of the Spirit. Don't grow weary in doing good. It calls on patience, right? Don't grow weary. Don't grow impatient of, of doing what I've called you to do. 
For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This idea of opportunity is not just one specific moment in time. What Paul is saying is why you have breath in your lungs. This is the reason God has you here, to be an instrument of his goodness to those outside of the faith, starting with those on the inside. Like, how can you do that on the inside if you don't know who's on the inside? How can you do that? How can you meet a need? How can you pray according to where the need is if you aren't having communication? Like, do you see the need for us to walk with one another and to know one another? Like, this is, this is a part of God's plan. And in Paul's mind, this is, this is how we combat the attack of the wicked one to want to move us away to a different gospel. Because when we do those things, we move away from the centrality and the sufficiency of the gospel. In verse 11, Paul says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. This is personal for Paul. He says, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. What? He says, like, they're concerned about their parents. Like, I have a hard time being intellectually honest with you right now and calling out them for doing that and not calling out my own self for doing that. And when Paul said, like, yo, like, keep watching yourself. Like, how many things do we do for parents? How many times do we show up because of how it looks every day, all the time. And maybe some of you are better than me. But this is a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle. This is directly against the opposite of what we see in the life of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, really quick. <laughs> we see this, this great exposition of the what's called, the theologians call the kenosis or the emptying of Christ, meaning the glory, all the, 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 all the amazing things that Christ had at his disposal, right? He laid it down. He laid it down. It says, having this mind among yourselves. So this is the mind that you and I should have among ourselves in our community, which is ours in Christ Jesus, who thought who, I'm sorry, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he made himself of nothing. He made himself of nothing. So if we have a hard time thinking that we're something when we're nothing, then we, we don't really want to be like Christ. Like, he made himself of nothing. Another translation says he's, he made himself of no reputation. Like, oh my God. How many times are we thinking about our reputation? How I'm going to look? How this is going to come across? I make decisions based on optics. And I can even frame it in a way where, you know, I just want to please God. I don't want, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. But if at the core, at the core of those decisions is not what God is calling me to do and lay my life down so that Christ can be glorified, then I've, I've gotten it all wrong. And really, 
I'm putting the attention on myself. I'm putting the glory on myself. I'm boasting in myself. I'm boasting in myself. This is who we are. This is what we do. Paul says in verse 13, back to Galatians 6, even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Mm. Then he closes with giving us three, what I'll call, sufficiencies of the gospel through the cross. And I'm going to close with this. Three sufficiencies of the gospel through the cross. Verse 14, he says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This has been my prayer this week. This has been my prayer this week for me, that my boast would only be in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is my prayer for you as well. He says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the first sufficiency I want to bring out here, he says, it has the power to give us freedom from the world. Like, the world is constantly coming for our allegiance. It's constantly looking to, to attach itself to us in our ideologies. The way we think about everything, the way we think about politics, the way we think about sexuality, the way we think about love, the way we think about money. Like, the world has a system. It has an order. It's disorder, but it's an order, and it's controlled by Satan. The scriptures tell us that Satan is the God of this world. Don't get it twisted. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. When we speak of the earth and the world, two different things. The world has to do with a system and an orderly arrangement. It's, it's ideologies. It's ideas. And they're controlled by Satan. Every false religion, every religion of works, I won't name them all, but all of them come from Satan. Satan. If it's not salvation, by grace alone, through Christ alone, it's not God, it's Satan. Like this is how the world works and operates. So part of this, this first sufficiency is understanding when my boast is in the cross, it gives me freedom, power to have freedom from the world. The second one, verse 15, he says, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision but a new creation. The second sufficiency is that it has the power to achieve what the flesh cannot achieve. Again, like whether you circumcise or you make a big deal out of being circumcised or, or circumcised or you make a big deal out of not being circumcised. <laughs> Paul is saying we like, we, we like to focus on those extremities and, and none of them can achieve what the cross has achieved. None of them. Hmm. Like this is a man who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, circumcised on the eighth day. This was a man who kept all the rules, like did it the right way. This, was, this man was a big deal. This was a man who did everything in his power to please God. I'm talking pre-conversion, right? Before he was Paul, he was Saul. He did everything in his power to please God. And what that actually led to him persecuting the church. And Jesus in Acts 9, when he confronts him, he says, when Paul tells a story, he says, you, later Paul tells a story, but in Acts 9, we have the story of the Luke writes of, of Jesus having this interaction with, with Saul. And he says, you actually persecuting me. 
You're persecuting me. Think about the damage that we've done to the church and to the name of our Lord when he hasn't been sufficient for us. When we try to please him through these fleshly carnal attempts like Paul at religion. (sighs) The third one he says, the third one, verse 16, he writes, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Peace and mercy represent salvation. The third sufficiency is the cross has the power to save. It has the power to save what religion cannot. We are new creation. We talked last week a little bit about like what is like where is our like born againness? <laughs> if I can use that word, where is the new creation that God has said I am? Where is that scene of evidence in my life on a daily basis? Oh. Verse 17, Paul says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Here's his one final appeal to the grace, the grace of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. I'm going to ask the the band to come up and... um, I want to dig a little deeper here and confront the carnal fleshly notion that so many of us um, are dominated by. And it's just life, if I could put it frankly, life without Christ. Life without Christ. You know how miserable that is for the believer? For the the non-believer, that's just how they live. But for us who have tasted the truth... And to allow sin, unrepentant sin, or just sin that we willfully and perpetually engage in, like you're, we are the most miserable. We're the most miserable. I don't say that to beat you over the head with that. I really say that just to help you see God's discipline and God's love for you and him coming after you. This is what he does for us and helps us see. Like he'll let us go our way. He'll let us do the foolishness that's in our hearts to do. And not, not that he's writing us off, but he makes us free will, moral agents. We make decisions, right? And he's there the whole time receiving us back when we are ready to come back. He's there the whole time. Like, this is very different than how many of us were raised. This is very different parenting skill than, than, than we see oftentimes in the culture. This is not like the, you know, the, the, the judicial system in our city. This is not like DPD and law enforcement. Like, this is the heart of a father who has already done everything that needs to be done to take care of you, to provide for you. This is what he's done. This is the reason that we have to rejoice. This is why Paul is, like he's been going off in this short letter. It's all about this. He's boasting in the cross. This boasting has to do with rejoicing. It has to do with what is like your one great passion. What is the one thing that matters the most to you out of of everything? 
Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says, I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel to the grace of God. He elaborates in Philippians chapter 13 when he says, whatever I gained, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as, as refuse in order that I may gain Christ. Is he enough for you? Is he all that matters to us? Is he our everything? Is he our one single passion? Our one single goal. Your boast is like what you like. You walk a little different when it comes to your boast. Like you show up a little differently. Like young people, I know you don't use the word swag. So yes, I'm not young. But you know what I mean. Like your swag, the way you move, like your confidence, your trust. Your cause for rejoicing. Paul is saying, it's not just in that Christ saved me. He says, it's in the cross. Why the cross? Like, tweeting. That's like us saying today, I'm going to rejoice in the lecture chair. <laughs> I'm going to rejoice in the gas chamber. Or I'm going to rejoice in whatever the most gory, horrific cause of death you can think about. And for Paul, sufficiency in Christ had everything to do with the Father's plan and what the Father had ordained for the Son to come and the Son to live his life, a sinless life, in obedience to him and to lay his life down and to die this horrific death on the cross in place of me of me. This is why you can say I'm nothing. If anybody thinks that there's something when they're nothing, you deceive yourself. Another passage even kind of helps us, kind of points to the fact where, well, did Christ die in vain? <laughs> if you are something, then why did he need to come and die for you? No, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. So, that doesn't mean I hang my head in my nothingness. No, it means I rejoice and I boast in the cross. I, I boast in what he's done. Paul talked in another passage, I boasted my weakness. Clarity. Context. All he's saying is, I see my weakness. I see everything through the lens of the cross. I see it all covered by the cross. Like, every aspiration has to go through the cross. Every motivation has to go through the cross. What the cross does, it crosses us out. It crosses my flesh out, my carnality out, my wayward thinking, my self-effort. It crosses it out, and it goes against human wisdom. It goes against human wisdom. Paul said it's foolishness to the world, the wisdom of the cross. This is shocking. As I was praying about how do we want to end this series Father, it's been 13 weeks. This only thing I kept getting was, let's just 
Call out our boast. Let's identify our boast in him. Identify our boast in the cross. Let's brag on him. Let's, let's shout our one true passion and what he's done through the cross. What he's done in purchasing our salvation and our redemption through his blood. This is, this is a little off the, the radar, a little different for us, but it shouldn't be by now. I want to end this way. I, I want to ask you all to help me boast. Put your, put, you know, put your business on front street in a sense. Now, don't get too crazy. <laughs> but like, if our boast is truly in him, like, like we're, not, we're not afraid about like, protecting our reputation. Because I have none. I have none. Listen. As your pastor, if you belong to this church, I simply want to serve you to the effect that it helps you see Christ. Like that's more important than any cult will give, any service will have. It's about Christ and the cross. Like that's where we have to be to where the world is dead to us. And part of the world system is protecting my reputation. Part of the world system is, is behaving or performing in a way where people like me. That's how the world thinks. We want to serve people with, with no, uh, no, no demand for them to turn anything, return anything to us, of any value to us. We simply love you because we've been loved greatly by God. So whatever that may have been, whatever areas in your life that, that God in his mercy has delivered you from, those things that are nailed to the cross, to the cross, I want to ask you, where's your boss? Where's your boss? We have a mic over here. Is this thing on? All right. We're going to end in a rapid fire celebration. A boast, if you will. A boast in the cross. It's not about bragging on every dumb thing that's ever happened to us, right? We're not here like, to just talk about sin. It's to boast in the cross. It's to say what God has saved me from, what God has delivered me from. Perhaps it's been during the 13 weeks of this series. Perhaps it's been, it has nothing to do with the series. Perhaps it's your first day here. I don't know. As I was praying, I just, I just saw a celebration fill the room of boasting in him. So, we can't do this forever because I know how some of y'all are. Some of y'all want to wait to come. <laughs> you want to wait and then we got 15 people. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Who wants to boast in him? Come on. Let's brag on him. Our boast is in him. All right. I'm hoping I'm, I'm doing this right, so <laughs> grace, grace if not. Um, but the last uh, two years have been a season. I lost my father. And if I'm honest, I struggled with my father. So it's a different kind of loss, right? And I found myself probably about six, seven months ago where I just was looking at myself and I'm like, I have become lazy. I'm procrastinating. I'm not doing what I need to do. 
I know what I'm called to do. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not delivering. And I went to my therapist, big fan of therapy. <laughs> Let me be clear. Let's not be, uh, let's not be fooled. Uh, she is a blessing from God for me. And I said to her, I think I'm broken. Like, I think I need medication or something because this is not working. And I will say, she told me, she said, no, you're not there. She said, you're not there. She said, you need to, you need to get out of your negative self-talk. And what I found is not only did I need to do that, but I needed to center on God. And he has seen me through. I have joy every single day. I woke up this morning, and Asha and Quincy know, because they were with me yesterday, we were hauling tail yesterday, celebrating powerful parents at Detroit Parent Network. And I woke up this morning, and I was like, oh, that's not just mascara under my eyes. Those are bags. Because <laughs> I am tired. <laughs> However, I was like, I got to go. I got to go. Right? I got to cope. I got to go. And God delivers me every single day. Amen. Yes. 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 Um, man, so I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Um, when I was five years old, I was diagnosed with a rare skin disease in my left middle ear called cholesteatoma. Uh, by the time I was six years old, the bones in my left middle ear were gone. So I've been effectively deaf in my left ear um, for most of my life. So there's just very little hearing. Um, when I was 15 years old as a freshman, I started praying um, in February of that year that God would humble me and give me wisdom. Um, and I like, man, I'll tell you what, the evil one, like when a, when a prayer is there, the evil one, what he's gonna do is he's gonna switch the words. He's gonna deceive you with the language. But that prayer of humble yourself, Therefore, in a God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Man, so two months later, I end up with a skin disease back in my ear, um, kind of blindsided by it. 11 years out of remission, this disease is back in my ear. Um, come to know the Holy Spirit in college. Can somebody give me an amen? Came to know the Holy Spirit in college. And when I came to know the Holy Spirit in college, I became convicted and convinced that God could actually heal my left ear. Um, so I started having friends lay their hands on my, my ear, and I've tuned up because I remember those days um, with a few people in the room, and we'll pray and pray and pray, and tell you what, like, I was healed in my heart, but it didn't manifest in my ear. Um, I was healed in my heart, but it didn't manifest in my ear. Five years ago, I'm back up here, my, my old ear doctor who's world-class in Dallas retired. Um, and I, he gave me a reference of somebody that I was supposed to go see and um, I just kept putting it off. And I was, I travel a lot, used to travel a lot for work. So all of a sudden on the plane, my ears starting to hurt and it's a bad kind of hurt. And I knew instantly that I put off the doctor too long. So we go into the, the doctor, this new guy, um, man, Eastern Orthodox, um, old, old doctor, Eastern Orthodox Christian, and um, the cholesterol is bad. So I've now had this disease come out three times in remission, um, had it four times in my life, and it's kind of been this thing that has dictated, um, man, just a lot of, a lot of pain, right? Because you, you pray and you believe God's going to heal you, right? And, and I remember in the 90s, the 
something you hear all the time. It's like, how could a loving God let somebody, you know, X, Y, and Z, right? Or like, how come this guy got healed of this thing, but like this, this person died? And that's, that's a deep place of pain for a lot of us. But I'll tell you what, family, three years ago, I had a surgery that for two months, they put a prosthetic in my ear where for the first time in my life, I could hear bass. So I cannot hear bass. Um, and that, that lasted two months. So it was, it was in there and then it slipped and then I lost it. Um, and I remember writing posts, starting to write posts what the Lord had done, right? And then it disappeared, the sound left. Um, man, that was hard. And um, I tell you what, in the last few weeks, something, something's about to happen, but in the last few weeks, I've returned to Philippians 2.8. I've returned to, I am going to wake up and I'm going to pray. I'm not just going to pray, God humble me, but I am going to humble myself in prayer towards the Father. We think of the greatest command. We think of these scriptures that are so critical and bedrock. It literally says in Deuteronomy 6, like, put it over your threshold, tattoo it on your head. Like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the ads with all your strength. Well, so four weeks ago, I had an ear surgery family. They put a, a pin in my ear, and you may be able to see it underneath my hat. Um, in two weeks, I get a sound processor put on my head where for the second time in my life, I get to hear bass. And so I know a lot of times, like as we think about healing, we think about the miraculous, we, we like want it to be this divine in the moment. And we've had people at church, like during worship, they've been healed, right? And, and that's real. And also, let us not discount the way that the Father's heart the, the way who God is, is healer, right? So it may not happen the way we want, and we, we may be afraid of like, but what if it didn't happen? But like, do you have the faith to know that his identity is healer? Identity. Not, not whether or not you get your thing healed, but his identity. And so here I am 25, 30 years later, and, and I, at some point, was all right if I didn't get healed, if I'm honest right? And yet he does it anyways. And yet I have the base. It didn't matter anymore the same way. And yet he did it anyways because he's good, right? But it's, it's about him. It's about humbling ourselves because he has people that he wants to love through us. But actually more than anything else, what Lindsay said wasn't wrong. Is he on the top of our list? Is he number one? Because oftentimes we get asked, what's the, what's the greatest command? And we might say, love your neighbors yourself. It is not. Nowhere scripturally is the greatest command, love your neighbors yourself. It is, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. Our boast is in him. We love you, Lord. We boast in you, God. We thank you, Father. That reminded me, Martin, yesterday in our men's meeting, we prayed for a gentleman who, we have, we have brothers who come to the men's meeting who don't belong to Detroit Church. One of the brothers, Matthew, TJ, prayed for him. He texts me, bro. Later the day, like, bro, 
I've been having this aching pain in my body. I don't feel it. He's like, bro, God has healed me. He was blown away. Paul's boast. Paul is saying, like, I've been crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me because I'm crucified now with Christ. I'm alive in Christ. In Christ, I live. This is our boast, my sister. Yes, yes. We'll take a couple more. It's a celebration. Glory to God. Honestly, if I could be honest, I was not going to testify. I said I let everybody testify, and I'll be happy. But my soul is making her boast in the Lord. And the humble is here and being glad. And when my brother got up and said that he had colostiotoma in his ear, my, I said, most I said, you got to get up and you have to tell him what I've done for you. My husband had the same disease. And in fact, it almost killed him because it was a tumor heading for his brain from the colostiotoma. But I'm here to tell you that he's alive and well today because God did it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I suffered from an eating disorder from the time I was 16 all the way to the time to after I got married. For years, I struggled with bulimia. But I'm standing here today recovered because of the cross. He did it. He delivered me. Hallelujah. And if I can go back, and I also want to say, my brother, that he has pitch. He has relative pitch. He can tell what key a music is in when it, without it even being played. And then the same thing tried to attack my son in his ears. And I'm standing here today telling you guys he has perfect pitch. He can hear perfectly. Not only can he hear sound, but he can tell you the note of whatever it's in. Hallelujah. He's a deliverer. And I'm boasting in the Lord. I'm boasting in the Let's Lord. Go. I'm boasting in the Lord. And in 2019, I had to have a total hysterectomy. And I got on the table and Darlene, I bled out. They had to stop my surgery because I was just bleeding. They had no idea why I was bleeding. They clamped me and stopped. I was laying on the table. I didn't even know. I woke up. My sister was standing over me. She said, do you know what happened? I said, no, but I was dreaming. But I was dreaming and I was in the presence of the Lord the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. The whole time. I was up under the weight of the presence of the Most High because he's a keeper. And my soul is boasting in the Lord. So the humble can hear thereof. Be glad, people. We serve a mighty, true and living God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we know why you worship the way you worship. Come on, give God some praise. Give him some glory. Our boast is in you, God. Our boast is in you, God. Our boast is in you. We boast in you. Hallelujah. What up, though, y'all? <laughs> um, my boast is in God because I had a problem with failure. And here at Detroit Church, I learned that I was taught all my life that failure wasn't an option. So every time I failed, I felt like I always failed God. But here, a few years ago, um, Fines and Sonny preached on failing forward. Meaning, the only way to succeed is to learn from your failures. And just like other people, especially Tammy, my past couple of years have been crazy. Um, I had so many deaths in my family. I had best friend's mom got hit killed by a bus and saw all the blood on the street it was just bizarre stuff 
I lost my marriage. Um, one of my kids did a terrible crime. And it was like failure was forever in my ear. And then I felt like I failed God. And that was the worst. Because I, all my kids, I named them after the prophets. And for them to be out here just wilding. I felt like I didn't raise them in a, in, like Christ wanted me to. And I felt like I shouldn't even be in God's presence. Because how can he be happy with me? When I wasn't a good servant over what he gave me. But every time I turned around. And y'all people saw me. I saw somebody from Detroit Church. Like literally. Like everywhere. <laughs> at the restaurant. At the parade company. At my job. On the street. <laughs> everywhere. And every time I saw someone. God reminded me. My strength was never in myself. And even though I have failed, I haven't failed in him. And that was mighty for me because I had several failed marriages, failed relationships. I didn't even have a successful relationship with my parents because that was a whole other thing. And I discovered even more about my story there. And I let the devil tell me that I could never please God. And I tried to take my life because I felt like what is the purpose is everywhere I go, my failure is spreading. But God didn't let that happen to me. When I was in the hospital, he put every person that sat with me was saved and spirit-filled. And when I was at my lowest broken point, feeling like if I'd be around people, that's why I stepped away, y'all. Because I felt like if I came here, I didn't want my failure to touch y'all. I didn't want that toxicity inside me to stop someone else's growth. But God didn't let me believe that lie. And that's why he kept having y'all everywhere I went. <laughs> it was crazy. I saw fires at Chicken Shack. <laughs> I, One place <laughs> I saw Latrice, Myra, and so many other people at the parade company. Like, I expect to see no saved people. I ain't seen none. In the 15 years I've been going there, all of a sudden, you know, or just people just see me everywhere. I saw Delhi at Michael's. I saw people everywhere. People who are always I worship beside and love. That I love you guys. And God just kept ministering me over that point. He kept bringing certain passages. And then when I came back where I was studying independently, Sonny picked up right back on the verse that I stopped at. So that was confirmation for me to know that failure is something that happens. But it's not my calling, and it's not who we are in Christ. Woo. Woo. Come on, give God some praise. Yes, yes, yes. We got two more, two more. Come on, brother. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know your name. Ed Bless. Welcome, brother. So glad you're here today, fam. Yes, sir. Let's boast in him. I wouldn't dare to... Uh... Praise the Lord. I wouldn't dare to uh, not come up and take the opportunity to give him praise and boast in him. I got way too many testimonies, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, uh, wrap up on my end with the, with, the, with the most recent. So I've been in Detroit for about uh, two months now. Um, I came here. Um, I came here not expecting to come here. 
Um, and, but I, I, I was somewhat familiar with the area um, in a way, but not as. So I was homeless my first like two, in a, two weeks or so here, staying at the Detroit Rescue Mission. And um, it was also another way of like, God fully put my back against the wall from, I guess, some half-stepping I was doing. I mean, I know some half-stepping I was doing, but I originally kind of ran from where I was at because it was just a situation that I didn't have much opportunity in. And then I wound up uh, just, I fell back into the marijuana after God stopped me and saved me when I was 19 years old, I met Christ. And I'm 32 now, so... Like the first half of my 20s, it was like I was super zealous. I was super, and then, you know, just roller coaster rides in life. And um, I had a failed uh, marriage that was supposed to happen in 20, uh, August 2021. And I, I stuck it out until I could no longer, until the month of the wedding, because it was kind of mutual, but I had to take the initial step away because it was just extremely abusive. And like at that point, I was praying to God, I was praying to God, but. I just felt like I had such an iron cloud over me, although he would continually reveal his hand in my life. And then he, he constantly instills in me when I go astray, like, well, you know what you got to do. And then I'll hear his voice again when I do what I know what I got to do. Um, but, you know, those moments in the wilderness are crazy. So I came here and I was in the homeless shelter and I was blessed that a, a brother was struggling with some things in there. He had given his life to Christ. And it was just all because of my weakness that he, he humbled me before him for that even to take place. And, um, and then uh, I wound up uh, getting a hold of some folks out here that, that own a house not far from here, like uh, West Side or whatever. And um, so I'm able to stay there and stuff like that now. So I've been there for about a week or so, landed a job just recently. Um, so after the, praise God. So uh, just recently I was back in my hometown because I grew up in Philly, born and raised. And um, yep, yep. And I, I, was, I was well established in Buffalo, right on the other side of Lake Erie, where my fiance was and where I was trying to work it out. But I became so depressed because I tried to stick it out there. I had got my own place 20 minutes from where she lived. And I was thinking, you know what, I'm just going to be the bigger man. I'm going to be... I'm going to be that tough man of God to just stand by and to see maybe if he resolved things from a distance, you know, but I just couldn't, I couldn't hardly furnish my apartment, although I was working, like I couldn't make it a home, you know what I mean? And, and, and I stayed there for a few months and that a pain of last holidays, you know, I got an elderly mother and everything. So I came just out of Philly. Uh, I came back to Philly to visit my folks that are really not in good camaraderie ever and toxicity. He kind of called me from that place and things like that but I went back out of pain like to try to get some covering from my family and it just honestly I can't say that I fully regretted it but I stayed longer than I should have and I got more broke down when I was there than I should have um, I delved into some things like not only was I I mean I'm, I'm clean off of the off of the weed practically now um, um, but it was just keeping me in such a scrambled in such a scramble in my mind and I knew God was continually showing himself to me, but I knew I had to get out of it again. That's why I had to leave my situation that I was just in. I kind of came to just get on new ground by myself and let him get my spirit right. But uh, I, I was out one night last spring in Philly, um, and, uh, and, I, and I was like, man, I got to get out of here. And it's wild around there, and it's just something I'm, I'm, so, I'm so unaccustomed to. So... Uh, you know, I went out one night and I knew I, I had, you know, I was just trying to have a, have a, have a good camaraderie with my brother and, and connect. But, you know, all that's open around there were bars and all that. So I was getting into this pool game with my brother, grabbed some wings, 
And uh, I was, uh, I had about, but I, I started drinking and I, I, I don't crave a drink heavily or regularly, but when I'm drinking out of pain and trying to, you know, I've been known to, for those segments of time, um, I, I had way too much in me if I wasn't supposed to have any to be playing in the dark corners of the world and I knew better. But um, I had, I was drinking like Red Bulls and, and vodka and then whiskey and whatever. And I, I felt I was under control. And then uh, these cats kind of came in the bar, like 15 of them or so. And, uh, and it was real calm before that. And uh, I didn't like how they came in with attitude. So I wanted to, I wanted to kind of puff myself up and handle things and step into that carnality. So I just went up to them and, and uh, they had offended my brother. So I went up to them and I, and I confronted them. And they, like, they didn't even hear much before they just shoved us both out of the bar. I knew we were going to get jumped, or I, at least I felt like it, so I didn't wait for it. I just started swinging at the first cat that started pulling his shirt over his head. So we went at it with these guys for about 45 minutes, um, and me, me and just my brother, and uh, we were fighting them for 45 minutes about. We, we were unscathed still somehow, but we kept on getting, kept on getting pummeled on, and then... Um, we got out of there. I wound up getting my brother home, and then my brother went to wash up, and he was like, don't go back out without me. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, if you're going to go back out, he's like, don't, don't go back. And I, and I felt bad for getting him involved, so I kept him in the house. I ran back out, and, the, and that carnality, that whiskey was still in my flesh, and uh, I pulled a bat out of the house, and, um, and I uh, ran back to the bar, and they were all back there. First dude I seen, I, I tried to swing it at him. They all came piling out at me. And I had an idea that, you know, so I, I had went to dart around the corner. They uh, rung off eight shots at me and, and uh, shot me right through my, uh, my top of my thigh with a nine millimeter. And uh, one, one bullet hit me. And uh, I buckled up. I kept running and buckled up about 30 seconds later on uh, some person's step. And, uh, and the bullet was lodged almost out the other side but didn't exit. And it was in my thigh. And the, uh, I was in the hospital. And the surgeons were like, yeah, you know, it was inches away from your femoral artery. Like, you, you could have bled out in, like, minutes. You know what I mean? And, um, and I was like, yeah, like, wow, like, praise God and everything. And, um, but it was in such pain, such burning. I could hardly even walk. Um, if at all, I was using a, a walker and, a, and a, a cane and everything trying to get around, and it was not easy. Especially because I was two blocks away from the place I got shot at. So I'm, like, trying to get around broad daylight. Limp. I'm like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, two weeks into that bullet being in my leg, the surgeons were like, uh, that's probably going to stay in there for a while. They were like, you know, it's, it's going to, um, unless your body hopefully rejects it out, maybe pushes it closer to the surface in a, in a, in a, in a year or so. They were like, but uh, we're not going to dig into there. Like, we're not going to dig into your leg. We're not touching it because it's a, it's a little too close to where it got hit. And um, so I put on this one evangelist that prays, gets a war prayer, kind of guided prayer one night. And then I fell into worship on my back and uh, I was placing my hand on my leg uh, for, for Jesus to heal it and everything and to do something. Very next morning after that, uh, on that other side the, uh, where the bullet was lodged, the, the leg started leaking this fluid out and I was like, my first thought was a good thought, then I started thinking like, I was like, oh no, it's like infectious fluid. I went to the ER and uh, went to the ER and they're like, yeah man, we're just going to cut open that leg, make sure you're not infected drain that fluid out and send you on your way I was like alright and so they went and cut it open the bullet came out with it and I didn't have no infection and um yeah praise God Brother, yep. can I hug <laughs> you man now. can I hug praise you God. bro 
So many times we, we see great exploits by men in the natural, by women in the natural. Last night, Michigan won Big Ten Championship, right? The reporters are in their face afterwards. And what oftentimes you hear, I just want to give glory to God. It's easy to boast in Him when we're on a mountaintop. But when we hit rock bottom, that's what we just heard. That's what we just heard. When Christ died, I died. When he died on the cross, I died in him. That's my union with him. That's why he's enough. I'm already dead. This is the life that we live as believers. We got one more. We'll try to keep it short, but this is necessary, y'all. I know we got the meet and greet. We'll still do that. This is necessary. Glory to God. One more boast. My brother, TJ. Yep, my name is TJ. Um, I'm 22 years old. Uh, this is my third time being at this church. And, you know, my boast is in God just because um, just because I started so young, like 20 years, uh, when I was 20 years old, actually. So I was going through college, and um, I had a, a first time, you know, overindulging in marijuana, and it got me kicked out of college. It got me kicked out of college, and, you know, I had a scholarship, and um, I was in the band, but I was surrounding myself with the wrong people, and, you know, I was just like, okay, well, I know, you know, when COVID happened, it was like almost impossible to get back into school because everything was going on, and, and you know, I, I felt like I let my dad down, and that was the one person I never want to let down in my life because I see him work hard just so I can get to where I was at, and just to feel like I wasted all away, it hurt me. And so, you know, I always knew God, and, and I never had that relationship with him. And so, you know, 2020 happened. I just got on my knees and said, Lord, I do not know you at all. I don't know you at all. And I just want to be able to have that relationship with you. So I, I told him everything. I told him, like, I got kicked out. I got, you know, this and this and that stuff. I would never tell only but myself. And I gave it all to him, and it was the best thing and best choice I ever did. And, you know, I just started, you know, getting into the Bible. I said, Lord, show me where I need to go, where I need to, you know, ask more questions about you. And I was looking on my social media. I saw a, a college a Bible study, and I was able to tell him, like, hey, I don't know nothing about God. Please don't cook me. Like, please just let me just tell y'all the, just the questions I need to know. And, and they, you know, they always told me, and, and it was a good. And I, I learned. I learned. And, um, you know, I just started to get on my journey. I decided to get baptized that following, the next following year. And, you know, that's when my journey started. I didn't know about fasting or anything else like that. So I did my first fast at the, actually at the beginning of this year. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord just gave me everything I needed, you know, um, just learning how to speak in tongues and heal people and everything. And, and I was able to just go ahead and, and I wanted to find a church. So I went back to my home church in Ohio and I was looking for. For a church in Michigan, because it's hard to commute back to back and forth to Akron, Ohio, from here. So you know, Sonny, he came and came to our conference, and that changed everything. I'm like, hey, Lord, you speak, like you you really do things around here. And he he was able to go ahead and say, hey, we got a church over here, 25 minutes away from me. So then I was able to join the church and and you know be able to go ahead and and, and join my first men's uh, meeting um, actually yesterday, um, and. We was talking about a lot of great things, and we had a brother here who was hurting, and, and I 
I, I felt the Lord say, pray for him, pray for him. You know, if they don't choose to pray for him, you pray for him. And, you know, Sonny was like, let's all pray. And he actually told anybody, do anybody believe that, you know, through prayer, you can receive healing? And I said, yes. He said, you're going to pray. All right. I was like, oh, look, look, Lord, what you're doing right now? And I was just, you know, lay, lay my hand on him and I just let him speak through me. And, you know, we did that prayer and I felt something released from me into him. And it was just a, a beautiful moment. I stayed a little bit after, talked to him a little bit. We stayed a little bit longer. He needed somebody. He really did. And I wanted to be that person for him. And we texted and I let him know about, you know, God, about fasting to get that clarity. And, you know, just to sit here and, and hear Sonny say that he was he didn't feel any pain made me feel just increased my faith all every time. So I give my boast to God. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You make all things new. You make all things new. You repair the broken, God. You bring restoration. You chase back the darkness. You dispel lies. And you've given it all given it all and you deserve all glory and honor so we worship you we worship you oh, family thank you for just celebrating with us man Detroit Church we are nothing we are nothing if we think that we're something when we're nothing we're deceived we're nothing but it is Christ who is crucified in us. And it is in Christ that we live. And our desire is for the world to see Christ. If you're here today, you don't know Christ. Before we dismiss, I just want to express the Father's heart for you. An invitation for you to receive his love. Like it's already there. It's already there. He knows you. He sees you. He pursues you. I want to read from 2 Thessalonians in my clothes here. I won't even preach it. I'll just read it. It's God's word. Please listen. It says, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. That you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Anybody know he's coming back? He's coming back. He's coming back. It's in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, our testimony to you was believed.
I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't any non-believers or unbelievers here. I just want to give you an opportunity to acknowledge him and to believe. To believe. To say, yeah, there's a lot. Maybe there's a lot you want to learn still. A lot you need to know. We want to walk with you. But I can't, I can't paint this picture picture that's just some beautiful pie in the sky. You know, you get saved, you believe in Jesus, and everything will be great after that. That's not what the gospel is. And that's not what God promises us. But eternal life has to do with the, the type of life, the quality of life, not just the duration of life, the quality of life now. But he's over and above it all. All of the pain, all of the addiction, all of the weaknesses and shortcomings, all of it. What he's looking for simply is faith to say, I believe. If that is you, if you want to just acknowledge that, Publicly, it's a safe space, but nobody's here judging you. But this is a celebratory thing, and no greater way than to, to boast in the cross and what God has done through Jesus on the cross than to give anyone here an opportunity to acknowledge that and place faith in Jesus. If you're here today and you want to, you say, "I want to, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know more about this Savior. I want to know what it means to be saved." recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I'm nothing. I'm in need of grace. If that's your prayer today, can you just raise your hand for me? Anybody here? Believers, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Amen. We want to make sure that we don't just move on to the next thing and not deal with something so important, so critical. And Not that this is the only moment that that can happen, but it's certainly one of them. If you're here and you, you simply want to say, I need Jesus. I want to be saved. What do I need to do to be saved? Anybody? Anybody? Glory to God. So, I will say then, there's no one here that's ready to say that yet. Either Most of us are already saved. Amen? Which is also beautiful. Amen? Or maybe, maybe you're not ready to quite say that yet. But I, I want to encourage you, just kind of let you know that we got a whole room full of people who love Jesus. So you don't have to raise your hand and come to the front to know what you must do to be saved. But find somebody and talk to them before you leave if, if this is too much pressure. Anybody. Lord of God, I pray today that your heart is stirred on what it means to boast in him. And you're reminded that when Christ died, we died. We're dead in him, dead to the world, and the world is dead to us. Father, I thank you for Jesus, the sufficiency of the cross. Our Christ is enough. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand of praise. Thank you for those testimonies, all those boastings. God is good. Thank you for listening to the Detroit Church Podcast. We'd love you to subscribe, like, and rate. And if you're not already, you can follow us on social media by searching for Detroit Church.